Welcome to the Mental Health Gaming Podcast, episode 40. I'm your host, Stu, and I'm joined by no one. Oh my god, I'm here all on my own. What happened? Well, I'll tell you what happened. Unfortunately, Brad has been detained. Not at Her Majesty's pleasure, as the rumour goes. Just because life. So yeah, you've just got me, you lucky people. It's very weird doing this on my own, as the actress said to the bishop. So, let's crack on with what we, meaning I, have been playing. So, again, I've not been playing much recently. It's just been a funny time. I managed to get some time on Star Wars Squadrons. So I bought it because it was dirt cheap on the PC. And it really was cheap. It was 20 quid. You can't really argue with that, considering you're going to get it. You know, if I played it without VR, it would be an ultra-wide screen on my monitor. And playing it in VR, it's in VR. So, had that all planned out. Thought, yeah, worth it. 20 quid. Stuck it on. Really like it so far. So I've not played a great deal. Only about three missions. However, of course, I have the HOTAS for the PC. So I can play it the way God, or the Force, Yoda, I don't know, one of them, the Mandalorian, intended. And... I think if you stripped away those things, so playing within the VR headset so that you're in the locked into the cockpit and doing all that kind of good stuff, flying around going pew 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 and you know pretending that you're actually there and that you're more important than you are in the real world, I th- think without that it might be a little lesser experience. Undecided on the controls because I haven't tried it yet with the controller, although I'm going to give it a go, but with the HOTAS... Hotas, I like saying that. With the Hotas, it's good. It's really good fun. Uh, it feels good. The controls are good. They're a bit odd, even when you get them calibrated the way you want, because they're kind of sitting midway between sim and arcade. Uh, so I've come off Elite Dangerous in VR, which is entirely a sim experience. But this, as I say, it's it's midway between, and there's a lot of tweaks that you can do to change things up. But it doesn't fundamentally change it from being, uh, you know, comparatively arcadey next to, you know, the depth of Elite Dangerous. But that's not a criticism. It's good fun. So you're flying around these uh, space environments and shooting stuff. So it, on a graphical level, it's it's a mixed bag. So the ships themselves are great because they're so iconic and their silhouettes are so well defined. They don't have to have a ton of polys to look good they just have to look like they do in the films and in the films they look you know like models which is what you want you want them to look like space versions of you know fighter jets and they do so you don't have to put a lot of effort into that so they look good that's good enough the lasers then we have to look like the lasers were blasters in star wars and they do that so that's great the big ships the capital ships look the way they should and have a sense of size and heft and some of the you know effects are okay as well uh, they're not amazing they're, they're pretty simple quite, quite straightforward but the background the star field is really low res texture spread across everything and it sounds really nitpicky to go on about that but it actually makes quite a big difference because it's what you're staring at for the entirety of the game so obviously there's a lot of uh, ships knocking about and there are also you know space stations and satellite stuff and you know that kind of furniture 
you know, knocking about. So it's not entirely just space or planets. But where you know, obviously, the, the majority of the background uh, map is going to be is going to be a star field. So when it's so basic, it does pull you out of it a little bit because you're just looking at a you know really low resolution backdrop, and it's very obvious wrapped around it. So it would be nice in a sequel for them to improve that. But you know, I mean, I paid twenty quid for this brand new, and it's only been out for a few weeks. What they've done with it for that, I think, is is really impressive. They've got it out the door quick. Uh, it's not supposed to be a massive experience, but a fun one, and I'm having fun with it so far. So yeah, it plays in VR, it plays with the Hotas, and I, I can't really ask for a great deal more than that. A bit more atmosphere, maybe, but without going into any more like massive depth uh, on the game, it's it's very good, and it's what you'd want from a, a space shooter, really. So let's have a quick think about space shooters. What do we want? Right, so I've played as many of them as I can in this day and age. There are not many of them knocking about. The last proper one I played, well, excluding Elite Dangerous, because it's a sim and I avoided combat, like, or get out. But if you think about um, Eve Valkyrie in VR, that's the last proper shooter that I played. And I found that okay, but very repetitive. It essentially Quake 3 in space. Um, a little bit like Descent because it had like full twisty-turny physics. It was so twisty-turny that I think quite a lot of people got motion sick from that game. I've got really strong, good VR legs. Never have motion sickness. Very, very rarely. No, rarely get seasickness. Uh, mostly because I'm never on the sea, which helps. Um, but yeah, so it, it, was, it was a lot. Even I felt little twinges playing that. So that was a, a, a bit much for an experience because you could only go in for about half an hour, 45 minutes tops before you really had to get out of there, even me. Uh, and the, the gameplay was pretty basic, but it looked nice and it had a, a feeling of weight and some you know, substance to it. And the Starfield was better than Star Wars Squadrons. Other than that like notable stuff there's not a massive amount i mean i always toy with the idea of getting that Silfeed game on 360 and you can get it for like a fiver off e ebay uh, i still haven't pulled the trigger on that mainly because it means digging out my 360 because i don't think it's got backwards compatibility but i will check huh. so as you can see i'm scraping around for for you know, uh, recent, uh, in inverted commas, like I'm doing air quotes here, because Silphid's like, what, a decade old or more, probably 15 years now, something like that. And, you know, if you're going back to the excellent Rogue Squadron slash Rogue Leader games on the GameCube, you know, that's 20 years almost. So it's an underappreciated and underused genre. You know, you're looking at what, Amiga Boost, uh, the Silphid games, um, the odd Star Wars one, obviously the TIE Fighter and uh, X-Wing Alliance stuff. It's hardly anything knocking about. So I think it, we need more competition in that area, or in that space, you might say. Crap jokes aside, it's a good game. Star Wars Squadrons, if you haven't picked it up or played it, give it a go. It's cheap and it's worth it, I would say. Moving on. So I've also been playing... Serious Sam 4, which I talked about last week. I haven't played 
a great deal more of it since then, but I've played a lot of it anyway, quite a few hours. And not a massive amount to add. Uh, it's okay, you know, it's, it's not too bad. I'm not worried about going back to it so fast because at the rate that they're squishing bugs, by the time I go back to it, it'll have you know, changed once again and hopefully be a far better, tighter experience. Because at the moment it's it's pretty loose and there's a lot of issues with it knocking about. Not dreadful and, and rarely game breaking, although I have had to reload checkpoints a couple of times. But it's, yeah, it's not too bad. It, it's one of those that it, it's really, really tough to recommend because you can say, well, if you want that kind of experience of just a, a no-frills shooter, there are loads of them knocking about that are e even like indie developer ones that are better looking and not full of bugs. There's one I really want to play called Ultra Kill that I haven't picked up yet because I've got a massive backlog. I've still got blooming 13 sentinels aegis rift to play through as well as like starlink and all sorts of guff that it's just clogging clogging up my backlog list but yeah there's loads like ultra kill um ghost runner which i know isn't an fps but you know it's a first person action title but yeah like ultra kill or anything like that that's come out recently is supposed to be good fun for the money and a competent experience so when you're looking at you know an a or double a developer team like crow team doing serious sam 4 and it being a bit janky then you're like why should i pay for this and yeah okay they'll fix it in future but you know the future is not now now is now the present is now we are in the now although this is the past when you're listening to it god that messes with your mind but yeah there's other stuff that you should go for before this i'm sorry to say if you really want to support the team what i would recommend is leave it until sort of january february maybe even march next year see how much it costs see what version of the game it's on because it was on 1.5 when i was playing it it moved on five revisions in two or three weeks so leave it a few months and if you want to support the developers buy it then at whatever price they're asking because it won't be too much and hopefully it'll be a, a, a cleaner and, and more fun experience and very briefly talking of backlog i've got yoshi's crafted world to play i didn't get it at the time because of money but I played the demo and I was very impressed with it and some reactions were about simplicity and easiness and I'm like well I don't really care like if something's just a collectathon i.e. run around get a load of coins that's a bit rubbish but if it's this thing is hidden and you have to spend some time thinking about stuff to find everything and whilst you're doing that the controls are absolutely pitch perfect as they tend to be with nintendo games where's where's the bad and the presentation i mean you can't get over how good the presentation is on this stuff luigi's mansion 3 was just an absolute stunner i mean considering what it's running on man it's just such a good looking game you just want to be in it it's like a living cartoon you want to be in that world and playing it and even if it's got you know it's just a little bit puddle deep and it's a little bit kind of you know not that new or exciting and doesn't bring any real massively uh, incredible mechanics to the table it's just such a good world to be a part of that you want to play it and 
I think like that to a degree with uh, Paper Mario, the Origami King. Uh, the writing in that is fabulous. I actually found the game itself a bit tedious, so I sold it on. But you can't argue that the writing wasn't great and the graphics were phenomenal. So yeah, back to Yoshi. Why would you not want to have a go at that? I mean, okay, it's not going to appeal to everybody, but I would say that it's a, a very appealing game in general. I was actually watching speedruns of Yoshi's Island on the SNES, and the speedrun was fascinating. It's a really, really good one, because there's so many mechanics in that game, and it initially presents itself as a slower game, but when you watch a speedrunner doing it properly, oh man, it's so impressive. Running around, floating over gaps that you thought were impossible and firing off uh, Yoshi eggs in, in weird directions to trigger stuff. Amazing. So, yes. Nintendo, amazing mechanics. Really deep. Well, it, you know, they mesh perfectly. And beautiful to look at. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to going through that. Moving on, today I had a job interview. So, long-time listeners, you poor buggers, I do apologise for the content. <laughs> now I'm just messing. Long-time listeners will remember that I uh, got made redundant a few months ago, uh, really at the end of August, beginning of September. And since then I've been you know, job hunting pretty, pretty hard. So I had an interview today. It was put forward because apparently the company that the recruiter uh, spoke to liked my CV so I said to them well I looked at the spec and it doesn't seem to be for me because it's a developer role and I'm a manager an IT manager and they said oh no the roles changed quite significantly since they did the spec it's worth you doing it so I said okay well if that's the case then I will I'm happy to do it so I got on the interview today uh, just about an hour and a quarter ago from when I'm recording and yeah, it wasn't great because, unfortunately, they were looking for a developer and not a manager. So it wasted both mine and the interviewer's time, which was really disappointing because I was all sort of fired up and I think I presented myself pretty well. As you can hear, I don't really have any trouble just rambling on for a long time. Hopefully it's not in a monotone and able to deliver a bit of content at the same time. I think they took it in fairly good part. The interview lasted nearly half an hour, but it was getting progressively more obvious that I, you know, I wasn't a good fit and I, I completely didn't match what they were after. So very poor on the recruiter's part. So that actually has that small moment of negligence or I don't know what it was on behalf of the recruiting team uh, has quite a, not a significant impact to my mental health but you know it can't be ignored that when you're in a situation when you're on it where you're unemployed and you really need to restart work so that your life can get back on track as much as possible in a time of you know great uncertainty and fear that you know that's going to have a bad effect on you because you ramp yourself up you get some anxiety you get some excitement all those nerves are in play and you are trying to trammel and direct the anxiety into like positive vibes to not sound too hippie-ish about it but to make sure that your 
nerves and energy comes over as something positive that you're keyed in and keyed up to talk about the role uh, and I think I did that I think I put myself over pretty well for a role that basically didn't exist so at the moment I feel not terribly deflated it was nice to have the experience of interview again because it's been quite a while I think probably about 18 months to two years since I last did an interview which was for a, a higher role uh, a, a higher level role in, within where I worked previously um, which I only just missed I'm really gutted about that especially as <laughs> that was one area of, of my previous employment where uh, they haven't had any job cuts so I would still be in that job ah, anyway missed out by one person anyway so yeah it was it was a uh, it was an okay experience for me but it's frustrating that I was I was put into that situation in the first place uh, if I'd been somebody who has sort of more general anxiety about stuff like that who didn't interview well or has to really build themselves up and gets very frightened beforehand it could have been really bad it can put people off you know and I don't really understand the motivations of the recruiter in that so yeah that needs digging into a bit but needless to say it's, it's a little bit frustrating and just really because I was quite hopeful and excited but yeah there we go what can you do Apart from that, my general mental health has been okay. You can feel the tension in everybody rising, I, I think. Um, if you're sat at home or whatever listening to this and going, what? No, I'm okay. It's all standard now. Then, yeah, I do feel good for you. I feel really, really glad. And I hope most people are in that situation. But the things like following along with the election and the stress and tension with that, along with lockdown coming into effect today as I'm recording you know on the 5th of November all of that plus you know there's family stuff uh, there's family tensions and family discussions and also family illness so normal pains in the arses like severe illness don't go away just because of Covid even when they're not caused by it and unfortunately, in my wider family, we've got somebody who's ill. And the, the tension of finding out to what degree and what it is exactly is very stressful. And it's having a really big impact on my family, and particularly my wife. So we're coping with that at the same time as, as everything else going on in the world. Not the easiest of times, it must be said. So what helps in this situation? Because I'm not just here to just rant about my problems, because I know that everybody's suffering. Well, what helps for me is is knowing that everybody is going through a similar thing. They may deal with it differently, but they are going through the same sorts of things. Um, and there's a sort of communal experience there, which is helpful, uh, knowing that it's not just in your head or that it's not just affecting you or that you've been singled out. And of course, none of those things rationally make any sense, but then they never have through human history. It's purely an emotional reaction and your emotional reaction it feels validated when you know that other people are feeling very similar things also that it, you know it won't be minimized and the people that you speak to your friends and your family won't minimize the way that you're feeling look hopefully if you're in a situation where that's the case then that is great luckily i am it's not always perfect i can be an ass my family can be asses. everyone can be an arse. If you're under stress, it's going to happen. And the thing is, you know, I just try to 
not do it and also if I do slip into doing something egregious that I apologise for it that I own it and you know I apologise and then move on so it's good to have that level of support <clears throat> if you don't have support or you don't feel it's good enough then that's a genuine feeling and you should own it own it don't think that you're underreacting or overreacting to something your reaction is probably right because you know yourself you know your life you know who's involved you know who the main players are and you know what's going on your viewpoint of your life will most likely be correct these things can be colored of course but you know you you know yourself you know what's going on if you don't feel like you have the support then a little bit of advice would be to reach out to try and get some more from places that you know you might not have thought of before or that you know that you've tried and weren't good in the past just because something didn't work for you in the past doesn't mean it won't in the future so you can consider you know speaking to your doctor you can consider things like speaking to Samaritans or any other kind of voluntary service and you can also join our discord which we always talk about at the end of an episode but it's a great place to chat and it, and the chat can always be you know of itself about you know films or games or anything really or it can be about mental health or it can be a combination of the two and it's really easy and flowing and people are very honest and non-judgmental so feel free to jump on it to move back to Samaritans just briefly so I was a Samaritans volunteer for about six or seven years and obviously you know I experienced a lot in that time and one of the things that I noticed is how regular contact can be such a boon, especially if you feel isolated. And in the, the way that we are at the moment with lockdown, people do feel isolated. You know, my mum does because she lives on her own. So Samaritans can be a good way not to just continuously call them to chat, perhaps, but when you feel low or frightened or just isolated and it's reached a, a bit of a pitch that you can't cope with and you would like to just vent and explain then Samaritans is a good place to do that you don't uh, sometimes there's a myth that you have to be suicidal uh, it's not the case when you know Samaritans deal with anyone in distress and despair and if you need to talk that's what they're there for now I won't say that it's a perfect system because no system is perfect and it's it's built by volunteers just ordinary people like you and me well i'm i'm, I'm a weirdo but you know what i mean you're normal i'm, I'm the weird one <clears throat> but it's just ordinary people and some of them will make mistakes but i would recommend persevering and it, it you're more likely to have a a positive experience than a negative one i would say um by a factor of about you know 20 <laughs> so Yes, if you, if you feel like you don't have that level of support, reach out to the places where it's being offered because people, are ge I find generally people are quite kind and people genuinely want to listen and, and help if they can. Okay, so I've rambled on for a really long time. I uh, hope you don't feel I was just filling space. I actually quite enjoyed doing this. Uh, it's nice not to have to listen to Brad because, oh, my God, behind the scenes, he's an absolute monster. You wouldn't believe. He comes across as quite chipper and nice, but, man, oh, Taskmaster, you would not believe. So, yeah, yeah, good to have that weirdo off the, off the chat for one week. 
Anyway, as usual, thanks for listening. So if you could, if you could like, share, subscribe everywhere possible. We're very active on Twitter. Brad does a huge amount on YouTube with videos, reactions a lot of the time. Follow us on Twitch. As of today, Brad will be streaming. uh, So you can catch that on a playback on the Twitch channel. If you're interested, you can support us on Patreon or on Coffee. But other than that, just take good care of yourselves. We will speak soon. And thank you for listening.